Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless, the podcast that teaches you how to live a healthier lifestyle that makes you and the planet happier. The world is changing quickly. Sometimes it feels like you can't keep up. I hear you. You want to make the world a better place. You care, but you don't know where to start. You know taking care of yourself is important, but how? I get it. I have a history of diving into a new endeavor, seeking perfection, and quickly feeling like I failed. Whether it was going vegan or learning how to recycle more, I wish I had guidance to keep me on track and not overwhelmed. I can't lie, the world needs your help. But it doesn't need you to be perfect. This podcast is here to help. Here we go. Today's interview is with Vegan Society of New Zealand media spokesperson, Claire Inslee. To put guests on the spot right away when they get on the show and ask if the spectrum was from clueless to consciousness, the title of this podcast, where would you feel at today? Heading my way to consciousness. Um, I, how do you know when you've reached full consciousness? Oh, when you're dead. Okay, so I'm not at 100% because <laughs> I am still alive. Okay. Yeah, maybe, I don't know, maybe not. I don't know. Where do you put yourself on the scale? 95. I'd like to think I'm 95. I'm probably 80. <laughs> I love that. I love that you're like, okay, I need a number here. Where am I at? And it changes every day, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, today I came, I've just had a meeting with the plant-based treaty. So I feel like I'm on that 95 consciousness. Great. Wow, beautiful. <laughs> so let's just jump right in. You are a board member for the Vegan Society of New Zealand, right? Correct. I'm also the media spokesperson and I do the admin. So we're a small team that do a lot of things. That's right. (laughs) So let's start with your vegan journey. I know you have been vegan or at least vegetarian for a long time now. So where did that journey begin? When I was 15, which was a very long time ago now, I'm back in 1984, (laughs) So yeah, I came across a vegan and I was just eating the standard meat and two veg. That was what you ate, especially back then, especially (laughs) in the UK. In the UK, that's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I met this vegan and he was one of those militant vegans as you actually had to be back in the 80s. (laughs) There's no other kind. (laughs) It was very like punk associated in a lot of circles too. Yes, absolutely. A lot of punks were vegan and are vegan. Um, yeah, it's all that hunt sab stuff and that animal activism and the ALF and all of that. So right. all of that was just kicking off around okay. then. Yeah. And so anyway, I met this guy and he was like, oh, you should be vegan. And, uh, and so I did. I tried it. I tried it for a whole month. And I'm a person that likes having cereal in the morning. I used to like having cereal in the morning. That's my thing. I'm like, mm. oh my God, the soy milk is awful. It is just absolutely hideous. And it genuinely was. <laughs> it was. There was one plant milk, it was soy milk, and it was hideous. And that was it. There was no other products. There was no other vegan products. It was all like fruit, veg, grains, whatever is what we now call accidentally vegan or just food. <laughs> it was really genuinely hard so after a month of having orange juice on my cereal I was like I know right (laughs) I'm sorry that was such a strong reaction but I was not expecting that to be your alternative you really didn't like the soy milk 
It was horrible. It was so horrible. And then I said to my vegan boyfriend, oh, what? he's, oh, I just had orange juice on my cereal. And I tried it and it was... That's a marketing problem for veganism right there. <laughs> that was back in the 80s. So mm-hmm. what I can say to you now is here we are, 2023, and... Oh, you don't like the soy milk? Why don't you try this brand of soy milk? Oh, you don't like that one either? Why don't you try hemp milk or hazelnut milk or rice milk or almond milk or this or that? Quite wild. The alternatives are almost never ending and we're still coming up with more. And who would have thought oat milk would be the one that everyone's suddenly on board with? Yeah, it's so funny, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So yeah, that that's when I didn't make it to stay on the wagon. And in in, in around 2000s, I I had awful endometriosis and oh, I did I'm not realize with that journey right now. Okay, yeah. I did not realize was how much of the dairy I was consuming was actually exasperating those problems. And and so when I tried vegan again, and also last time I was on the pill in the early, uh, in the mid eighties, I was on the pill. I didn't know. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, totally. The to me. I was like, yep, sweet. Don't even have them. And then I'd come off the pill because I didn't appreciate those aspects. I studied pharmacology. I was like, oh, shit, this is mm-hmm. don't really want to be putting this in my body. So yeah. And I found that after even just one month of being fully vegan, that my period pains, like with two days, I would be absolutely in bed, cannot move, in agony, painkillers, not working at all. One pain, one day of pain. Whoa. And guess what? Painkillers were actually working. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And so I was actually able to function most yeah. of the days of the month instead of having two days a month where I could guarantee that it was not going to be a thing that I was can't do a thing. So, yeah, I really noticed those health benefits for me. And that was absolutely an additional spur to keep me on the vegan journey. I did it for animals anyway. And the thing was, back in the 80s, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have quite the level of research and information that we do now. Or even right. that we and did quick then. access too. Exactly. It's like really, if you don't know the problems behind eating meat, you're really not looking at it. You're really looking in the other direction and burying your head in the sand. But back then, you could quite easily not know and fair to why it's not like it's out there in the mainstream media all the time. <laughs> so things have changed so much. I'm really grateful to be able to witness the rise in veganism over the past 23 years and how things have changed hugely. And yeah, I'm just blown away. Always con- considered. And now the whole world actually has to get on board with us. It's come on. It's not only good for the animals. It's actually the only way we're going to save planet earth and future generations. Okay. Do you actually want your kids and your grandkids to grow up? Guess what? We've all got to go plant-based. We've all got to go plant-based. We can't have this factory farming anymore. It's literally draining all the resources of our planet. It's literally killing us and our planet and, of course, the animals. I'm not meaning to put the animals last because they are why we're vegan, but that's not a message that those who are down on the clueless level are going to hear. Yeah, yeah. They're going to hear, but I like my steak and I want to eat bacon. What's wrong with that? 
How's that right. causing storms around the world? Have you got a couple of hours? Yeah, <laughs> sit down for this one. <laughs> you know, but it is important that we do keep having those conversations with those people right. and get them to understand that actually we're in a very different world now. Eight billion people on the planet. I was watching some old Doctor Who reruns from 2010. 2010's not that long ago. Six billion people then. Oh, my God, in the last 13 years, two wow. billion people added to the planet. I know, right? I know. It's just wow, incredible. And it's going to continue to grow exponentially. That is how populations work. And until we are all consciously producing our young, i.e. we're only having babies when we actually want to look after them. It's going to continue to be that way. I'm just wondering, because I feel like I come up against this too, that understanding that veganism and then diving into environmentalism and everything else it gave me, there is a bit of that doom and gloom. There is a bit of knowledge that you don't get to put the blinders back on. It's like you can't unsee what you've seen. And so how do you stay positive and keep moving forward despite that knowledge yeah. there's definitely days when i do feel utterly hopeless about the whole thing oh my god but as i said for having lived through the past 23 years of the rise of veganism i see that we have come so far right. especially since like when i first tried to go vegan in 1985 right. it was just impossible and oh my god i knew nobody who was vegan yeah my vegan boyfriend lived in london so it's 30 40 miles away from where i was living and just it's just yeah i didn't know anybody else and all of that has changed so much even if you are isolated and i live isolated now like i live in this little village of 600 people there are actually other vegans in the village as well which is quite amazing but still our cafe doesn't quite manage to cater for them we're West Coast, we got to support our farmers. I live surrounded by dairy farms. It's big industry here. You may be aware that Aotearoa is actually not responsible globally for huge amounts of carbon emissions. But obviously in our own country, agriculture contributes nearly half of those. Oh, the bulk wow. of it, of course, is animal agriculture. And we just have so many more dairy cows than our country should have because obviously it evolved with no mammals on this at all <laughs> quite frankly it should have no dairy cows no sheep however in english colonialists basically right. went in there yeah. and filled it full of farm animals because why not we've got plenty of land over here we're running out in the uk because we're giving it all to different we're people running out everywhere that's right and oh what is this way you know what 85% of the global farmland is taken up in animal agriculture. So instantly right there, even if not all of that is able to be used to grow crops, a substantial amount of it must be able to be, right? So right. we rewild all of those bits. There's so many advantages. And this is where the hope comes in. Because when you look at where we could go, and also the fact that once we actually get farmers on board, animal farmers on board, within a couple of years, those livestock are dead because we people eat the babies, right? They don't eat five-year-old animals. They eat babies, okay? Yeah. So they'll, it'll take very little time, which is fortunate because we've only got seven years. So <laughs> seven years in which to enact meaningful change 
So yeah, we got five years to get animal farmers out of their own heads and realize that actually they can make lots of profit growing plants as well. That's, that's the thing that's, too, is you're going to, at some point, marketing needs to be bottom line. There's and the bottom line is, made. yeah, absolutely. And animal products I've seen in my time, oh, alternative meats are so expensive. Oh, no, actually now alternative meats cost the same. Why is that? Because prices have gone up. As we know, fossil fuels have increased. Why is that? Oh, that's all going to feed into the whole animal agriculture thing. Their prices are going to go up. Meanwhile, plant-based prices are coming down because right. they're producing more, they're getting to more people, more people are buying them. And so eventually we're going to get to a point where actually the plant base is going to be cheaper. Mm-hmm. And once we get to that point, then, you know, yeah, average Joe on the street's going to be looking at these two packets and going, well, this one's cheaper. And they're going yeah. to buy the cheaper one because they have no choice because they've only got a limited income, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's trying to make the most of what they've got so yeah i think i uh, my uh, my only hope is that this happens quick enough we've got the seven years can it happen within seven years right so i'm saying yes absolutely yes we can do it and and that's where the hope lies the hope lies in the future and we all have to start envisioning a positive plant-based future you know because if we don't have a good idea of what that plant-based future looks like, how can we work towards it? We can work towards that. We've all got a really great idea of what's going to happen if it all goes to shit. We've got a really good idea of that. There's loads of films out about it. Oh my gosh, I try so hard to find like positive sci-fi and so much of it's not, it's all this. Oh, it's all the end of the world, literally. And it's like, what are we creating with this? Where's our consciousness? So it's our consciousness, like manifesting. Yeah, absolutely. It's exactly that. And you're pumping that out to 8 billion people. <laughs> it's yeah. Right? We need to let people know there's a positive future in plants and envisage what that looks like for yourself, what that looks like for your locality, and then what that looks like for the world. And the more people we have actually consciously creating in that way, the more likely we are to get to that future. Because at the moment, all the governments are all this doom and gloom and we're all going to die unless this happens. And we don't want that either. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that you mentioned the different levels, right? So imagining that future for yourself, imagining that future then for your community, imagining that future for the world. Would you be willing to give a few examples on each level of what that could look like? Like when people are like, okay, yeah, I want to imagine a plant-based future, but what does that look like on those levels? So for yourself personally, obviously you'll be eating plant-based, but you'll be growing plants as well. Mm. You can turn over your whole garden. Oh, I don't have a garden. I live in an apartment. Okay, do you have a balcony on your apartment? Get a couple of grow bags in. Start doing what you can, growing in containers. Oh, I don't have a balcony. I have only short space. Okay, grow some herbs on your windowsill. Start with where you're at. Grow something. Get your fingers in the soil. Because that's where happiness lies as well. Soil bacteria is actually proven to increase endorphins in our brain. We are literally connected to the earth. We're made from the earth. We're supposed to connect with the earth. So we need to do that more often than many of us do. I mean, I'm great. I walk barefoot. I live in the rural district. I'm surrounded by it all. I'm lucky. 
I feel myself very fortunate and lucky, but I know not everyone is in that position. But you do what you can with what you have. Okay. So maybe you need to imagine yourself out of that apartment. Yeah. Okay. Mm. This is where I am for now. But maybe in two years' time, I want to be living here, doing that, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So that's your small circle. Let's move out a bit to the locality. What can you do in your local area? Okay. So keeping with the gardening thing, community gardens. Now, that's something that's potentially quite an easy thing to do. And a lot of councils are on board with the idea of creating space. And then you meet with other people that are interested in the same things. We all want to grow our own food. Food sovereignty is going to be a big thing. I can't put too much emphasis on that, especially as prices continue to go up. People are going to find it less and less affordable to be able to buy food. They're going to have to grow their own. It's Mm -hmm. going to come to that point where people are feeling like, I can't afford to buy food anymore. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do I eat or do I eat? That's that's realistically something that's facing a lot of people in the UK over winter. And it'll face a lot of people in New Zealand over this coming winter. No, that's not something that people should have to make a choice between. Okay, So there's that. There's getting your council on board. How can we create council community gardens? There's also public buildings, hospitals, schools, prisons. Are they serving plant-based meals to people? Are there even plant-based options for people? There should be. So again, let's get onto the council. Let's talk to the service providers of these things. Is there a food company that is serving the schools and the hospitals and the prisons? What do they know about plant-based eating? Right. Get onto them. Let's, Let's chat to them. Let's build them up. And then when we have enough of these little communities of people that are thinking plant-based, thinking this is what we need to be doing, then it becomes a global event of its own. Even if we don't necessarily have to have the permission of governments in order to do these things. It's always going to be, realistically, a grassroots coming from the ground, going up. They always say, oh, right. we're the pyramid at the You little guys, you just do what we tell you. It's not been working for a long time, and and so now the change is coming. Where the ones on the bottom of the pyramid are actually going to be going, nah, we've got to be calling the shots because you guys have not done a good job. You're really (laughs) fucking this up. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Have you looked anyway? I'd love to be able to point to a country that was doing everything right, but genuinely, I can't. Right. Uh, maybe just be my own ignorance maybe there is somewhere that is fabulous and working towards that plant-based future that we actually all need to have especially also to raise your consciousness you can't be a conscious person and be killing animals just Mm. for a ham sandwich Mm. eat something else (laughs) There, there are thousands upon thousands of plants on the planet so many of them we can actually eat buy one you might like it especially for folks who have the privilege to make those choices so easily yeah. like if it's right in front of you try it and that's the idea of the behind the community gardens as well and if we get everybody like foodscaping that's another great thing that you could do on a community level okay not everybody's got a big amount of garden okay you've got one little garden your neighbor's got another little garden somebody else has got a little garden so you guys all work together have a little meeting in the spring or late winter and say hey 
I'm going to grow this. Oh, okay, if you're growing that, I'm going to grow that. And together mm. you all agree to grow different things and then you can meet every week or month or whatever and do a food swap. And, and that's a really great way to create food resilience within your local community, literally in your own backyard. Hey there, it's me. If you're digging this conversation so far around conscious living in this episode and you're feeling inspired to make change... That's literally why I'm here. If you want sustainable ways to be sustainable, you hear eco-friendly or green and wonder if you're doing it right. You want to make your diet more earth-friendly by going vegan. You want to live a more connected life, but you're not even sure what that means. No judgment. It is possible to feel excited about making changes to make a difference in the world every single day with your choices, to go vegan and stay vegan without feeling like you're missing anything, or to learn how to make good choices for the planet without feeling stressed. I help folks who are ready to make changes in their life that support their health and the world around them through supportive coaching, practical education, and steps that make you enjoy the process. If that's you, email me at consciouslycarly at gmail.com and let's chat. Back to the episode. I really love that idea. I haven't heard of it it described in that way. The foodscaping. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's the future of landscaping. Mm, Honestly, I think it is. (laughs) Because the thing is, the capitalists that run the world have locked Mm -hmm. the food away. Okay. And that's the biggest problem for most people is I need to eat. We all need to eat. That's one thing we all need. But hey, if we had all these little community gardens, we have people whose apple trees grew out over the fence and they were totally fine. Pick the apples, please. There's too many for me to eat. Take the apples. And it was encouraged that we can just sample the foods. And if councils, instead of growing ornamental flowers in the middle of their whatever, how how about you grow edible flowers in there? Grow things that people can eat and it's okay. If you're hungry and you need to, you pick that cabbage. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is. And then that way we're, we're not only feeding everyone at a very basic and local level, People are very much more in touch with where their food comes from then. At the moment with this modern global food system, where a lot of people are very out of touch with where their food comes from. Well, what is this milk, dairy milk? Where does that come from? It comes from a supermarket. They've got no concept right. that actually right. what goes right. into the cow and all the things that the cow has to suffer. I'm not going to go into here, but that's why we're vegan. Because we don't need to do it. We don't need to do it, but we do need to be pushing towards plants and eating more plants, and they're good for us as well. You know, mm-hmm. literally, our health can be saved. Our health can be saved. The Otago University did a study not that long ago where they discovered that forty-two million dollars a year could be saved by just in Dunedin by people eating plant-based and therefore not suffering all these different. Other I would diabetes, love to see that study. That's so interesting. I'll, I'll send you a link to it afterwards. Yes, yeah. please. Really? That's yeah. amazing. Because honestly, I feel like a lot of this is going to have to be, because we live in late stage capitalism, Be it is going to have to be pulling on people about, but money. But yeah. money though. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the God that everyone's praying to. Okay. Even if we don't necessarily pray to that God ourselves, it still rules our lives. Hey, okay. Yeah, this is it. It's going to save you money. It's going to save your health. 
your hospital oh your hospital spends so much on care for diabetics and this and that and cancers and okay how about we prevent all of that by <laughs> getting people to eat healthily in the first place they've never studied health scientists no idea why healthy people are healthy no idea never studied it seriously <laughs> truly yeah yeah can tell you why when you say it out loud it sounds just completely nuts it doesn't that what do you mean we've never studied health oh no we've looked at the problem because here's the problem if we want to look at the problem then we need to find out what the problem is and the more we look at the problem more we start creating the problem because we're looking at the problem right (laughs) look at the alternative what are healthy people do what are healthy people eating what are they let's look what makes a person healthy is it just their dna or is it the spirit inside that moves them? All sorts of things. Just, we've no idea. And we should have. <laughs> that should be so well studied. We should be able yeah. to say, healthy people have this, that, and the other. They do this, they do that, they eat that. Da, 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 da. Can't. No idea. No. Oh, God, that's such a good point. And it's, it's a depressingly good point. Your work for the Vegan Society of New Zealand I'm curious if when you went vegan, were you automatically, okay, I want to incorporate this into the work I do in the world. This is important enough to me to be doing that. Or how did that journey go? When I was, when I first went vegan, and when I second went vegan, I was doing a lot of work with Greenpeace as a volunteer. Okay. And I, because I was an environmentalist at heart, I was like, yeah, the animals, but the planet herself, she's so precious. And especially back in the 80s, no one was really bothered about right. the planet. Yeah. All those weirdo hippie green pieces. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. It, was, it was all of that. But as my veganism grew and essentially Greenpeace didn't grow along with me, they were still mm. stuck in this, well, no, our thing is the environment. It's different. And again, it's different. It's not connected to animals at all, even though now we know it is. And now Greenpeace is starting to get on board and starting to suggest that people go vegetarian. At and this point, this. it's unfashionable not to be at least underline the point. Yeah. Exactly. And say, we know this has is a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've had to wait for... I don't know, for it to get fashionable or whatever. Right. Nuts. So anyway, I can't continue to work for an organization that basically isn't advocating veganism or even suggesting that people should do it. At the time that I left, nowhere on any of their websites was there any mention of veganism or vegetable how it related to the environment or the climate or anything. Hopefully things are different now. But so that's why I left. Greenpeace and then I started writing for the Vegan Society's magazine and and then one of those magazines they had a little advert hey we're seeking new board members and so I applied and hey eight years later (laughs) here I am still doing this stuff so yeah hopefully in that time I've managed to I've definitely written a lot of articles and stuff and a lot of media interest for the society for vegetarianism for veganism for improving the future of our planet basically yeah yeah i just love that your passion absolutely comes through in such a beautiful way and i love the way you are describing the things we're talking about with such like simplicity okay this is obvious though because it really <laughs> is i think sometimes these conversations almost get overcomplicated 
and to seem heady or to seem academic or whatever it is, but it's okay. We're all connected. We are all one thing. Let's like bring it back. And I just really appreciate the way you're sharing about all of that. Thank you so much for saying that because it is my mission to simplify things because Mm. yeah, people make it so complicated. Oh no, what can I do with this and that and that? that. No, just don't worry about those things. Just concentrate. This is the simplicity of it. I don't know what to eat. I have beans on toast. There you go. That's one thing. You don't (laughs) want to eat that every day. But people that say, oh, I wouldn't know what to eat as a vegan. You eat vegan stuff all the time right now. You're just not... Calling you know, it that. It. Yeah, exactly. Or, or worrying about being perfect, right? It's, oh, I screwed up or, oh, I did this. And it's, I would rather you try four days a week or whatever it is than do nothing. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I had to evolve in my thinking in that because it's easy to want to just be like, you're not listening. <laughs> exactly. Most people need baby steps. There are some great people that can just jump on board with the thing and they like take it full notch up to 10 straight away brilliant however a lot of people can't do that they can't go from level one and go oh my gosh 10 seems really high up there what's the next step okay next step is if you say oh i could never go vegan because i like cheese too much that's the thing right everyone's heard that once in their lifetime okay go vegan apart from cheese then yeah you know, you're okay. That's a great that? improvement for your health and for the planet and for everyone involved. Yeah, exactly. And over time, you'll probably find that you start liking cheese less and less, or you eat it less and less as you're starting to explore different tastes and different things that you do. And one day you'll notice that you haven't bought cheese for a month. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a good point, too. Yeah. So that's always my goal is cut it into bite sized chunks that people can comprehend, they can understand, and they can get on board, and they can actually say, yeah, I can do that. Like, we just challenged the mayor of Dunedin to to our 21-day vegan challenge last month, and he's, oh, it's too hard. You mean it's too hard? Like, climate change, that's going to be really easy to solve, isn't it? Meanwhile, you change yeah, more. You, you know eat. what's going to be hard is the climate crisis taking us out. That's going to be hard, but, but you can't so just every- say that. And I understand you can't be that. No one's going to respond to that. I wouldn't, but you just, you want to sometimes. <laughs> That's right. But okay, we've got a, we've got a week long dairy free challenge. How about you try that? So that's that's the next mission. When I get off the call from here, I'm going to be emailing the mayor of Dunedin and saying, hey, how about you try it for a week? And it's actually secretly vegan as well. Obviously, we're not giving them, we're not giving them recipes for steaks. Oh my God, bread. I love that so much. But each day they get a little email with what an alternative to, to dairy is, all the different plant-based milks one day, all the different plant-based ice creams one day, all the different cheeses, et cetera, et cetera. Beautiful. And a recipe and a little tip thing meme. Why should you do this? A motivational point that's there. Yeah, that's really nice. I've wanted to, for a while, do something like that. I love that idea of giving people a certain amount of time to try it and some guidance instead of saying, where do I start? And that's why I started to work as a coach too, to help people that want to transition to that lifestyle. You don't have to do this alone. It doesn't have to be awful and intimidating. Like it can also be fun. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) 
like finding where in your locality you can eat out easily yeah <laughs> yeah really sounds yeah, like we yeah. both have small communities to choose from so i understand that plight as well <laughs> is there anything that you want to make sure you share with listeners that i haven't given you space to do i would just say if you're listening to this podcast i hope that you are as plant-based as you feel you can be at this time and if you're not maybe take some steps towards that there's lots of different vegan societies there's lots of different vegan challenges so try one and if you can't do that try growing some plants whatever speaks to you and and keep having those conversations with other people as well with your friends right. and with your family and just start I'm not saying you have to call people like, oh, you, why are you eating that steak? It's killing the planet. Not, not saying do that because you're going to lose your friends very quickly. Yeah, then. very quickly. <laughs> very quickly. So we want to keep your friends on board. You can lead by example as well. And you can say, hey, I know you like that, but I'm having this really tasty dish. Why don't you try a piece? Right. I just invite them over for dinner. Oh, it's vegan dinner. It's okay. Right. Promise it won't hurt you. <laughs> you might like it. You might like it. Then you can eat it again. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite party trick is serving people vegan stuff and then telling them afterwards. Ha! Got you. You enjoyed it. Gotcha. You can't tell me you didn't. That's right. That's right. Exactly that. Some more of those kinds of things happen. And, and already we're seeing that vegan and plant-based is being talked about so much more in the media these days Gosh, when i left the uk it was already quite vegan it was in 2008 but now i was every cafe pretty much in the uk has at least one vegan option where is going to offer you something like in new zealand that's not quite the case anymore you i know, was just still. gonna say i was impressed with new zealand because of my experience where I've been, that there was at least an option or two that wasn't a side salad. But maybe that's just where I was. Certainly all the main centers. Right. I live at the end of the Hefe track. I am like seriously remote. I right. don't expect. But even there, yeah, I can go in to my cafe and get a toasted sandwich with the four vegan options, which is how I always ask for it. Can I have your toasted sandwich with the vegan options, please? They're like, here she comes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and there's only so many times you can eat that, so I have to be really desperate. So usually I just, mm. but I'll have a smoothie there or something. I've only been living here for five and a half years. Why would they think about? It's not like you have any resources to share with them or anything like that. And the really hilarious thing is that they know perfectly well how to make some really awesome plant-based foods because when asked to do they will. They like catering for an event and the event organizer. Mm. Oh, we better have some plant-based options there. And guess what? Everyone eats those first. If I'm not there super early. I've had out. that experience too. I've gotten my pizza taken. I've gotten my lunch taken. That was ordered for me. That was vegan. I'm like, okay, everybody. I love this, but I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, this is great. But you all can eat everything else and I can't. I know, or if you want to eat plant-based, why don't you just order it in? Just say, hey, here's They're my option scared. to try something different. I know. What would their friends say? 
that's an interesting thing. What the social repercussions that still is around. It's wild. It is. I actually spent some time living with a not vegan couple at all. They were lifestyle block people. They literally, yeah, they have their own cows that get slaughtered and all the rest of it. Just all right. (laughs) Because I can't live in a vegan bubble, especially here. I can't just have only vegan friends because that's just not going to work. And how can I influence other people to become vegan if I only hang out with vegans? So I actually right. have to, you actually have to bid the coal face, hang out with some meat eaters, <laughs> show them that being vegans is actually quite cool. So yeah, you can do that. And I cooked for them. I cooked for them every night while I was staying there. Five days, the first five days, the husband just ate and didn't even notice and it was only when he was talking to his friends that he realized he'd spent the last five dinners not eating meat. And he was like, interesting. <laughs> it's so interesting. I love talking to some of my male guests about like toxic masculinity and being vegan because that's a whole sociology experiment in and of itself. Indeed. And it's it's such a shame that this idea that manliness is somehow connected to killing animals and eating them. I don't see anything attractive in that whatsoever obviously i'm a vegan but just what is it why can't you why can't you be a man and eat vegetables in fact surely surely you have to be more of a man to grow your own food and eat your vegetables. that's a good point where can people find you or find out about the vegan society in new zealand absolutely they can log on to vegansociety.org.nz perfect i have a whole heap of resources there there is so so much i will have it in the show notes but honestly listeners claire's right there are so many good resources i was so impressed i will definitely push people to that website not just because of new zealand but just because of some of the resources you have perfect thank you thank you If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode of Consciously Clueless. And for that, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or tag me and share in social media. Share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. To get more resources, influence on topics covered, and bonus content, join the Consciously Clueless community over on Patreon at patreon.com slash consciouslycarly. And don't forget, if you need help living more consciously, let's work together. Email me today. See you next Wednesday for a new episode. This podcast is supported by all the brands that I love and that I get to work with. Considering how much I talk about the fact that we should be buying less, you know if I'm promoting a brand, it means I use it myself and I love it. Sometimes the stars align and I score discount codes for the brands that I love. If you go to consciouslycarly.com slash shop, you'll find discount codes for brands like Parade that sell sustainable underwear, Terraseed that is vegan vitamins, Joy selling sustainable plant-based milk alternatives, Plain products that chose a new way to provide the world a shampoo, conditioner, body wash, and more by using returnable, recyclable containers. There is so much on that page of all the brands that support this podcast and support the work I do. So don't forget to go to consciouslycarly.com slash shop to check all of that out. Mm-hmm.